0: It's a big week, my friends. Episode 12 marks the end of the first season, so this episode would be the season finale. And being a season finale, I've brought in some help with some voices. Will you please help me in welcoming Andrew, Kate, Matt, and Claire to the show? Their voices will complement mine in this episode, and possibly in the future. Thank you so much for coming along for the ride this season. I'm planning on waiting a month, and then getting back to the weekly episode for me. Don't forget to hit that follow button and check out all my sponsors. Enough with the announcements. I'm eager to get started. When last we left our friends, Will had decided to let Smith advise him on the matters of magic he was experiencing. Thomas had run to get the Smith to bring him to speak to Will. Smith had come straight away to talk to Will at the bakery. They had all talked things over as a group and poor Will was fighting the whole time. Eventually, as they got through the difficult conversation, Will was able to relax, so much so that his eyelids became very heavy, and sleep was threatening to overtake him. I'll get the letter written tonight and sent early tomorrow. Don't you worry. Now, go get some sleep. You'll need your rest. Oh, and, and Will, to make things easier on yourself, you may want to stop using the magic until we've had some work. Will nodded sleepily. Brand told Smith that he would remind Will in the morning, and they both went to bed, Brand leading his younger, exhausted brother. Zee and Thomas sat with Smith for a time, quietly speculating on what may happen after they had contacted Smith's friends. Well, I don't suppose Greg will be an issue, said Thomas. But what if your friends need Will to go to them? It was a valid question, and the answer wasn't clearly seen by any of them. Smith himself had thought about that particular outcome and was unsure how it would be handled. He did, however, know that the Lady Kate wouldn't treat the situation coldly. She had struggled as she came into her own magic, and as she was a compassionate woman, Smith felt confident that her solution to any issues would be well thought out. The letter went out the next morning early, and for the first few days, Tom couldn't help but ask how long they'd have to wait. The smith had finally told Thomas that if he asked again, Thomas would get the rest of the day off. I can't have your head in the clouds, lad. you've got to focus here. You know that. An unfocused blacksmith can lose fingers, toes, or even eyeballs. Thomas eventually stopped asking and adjusted to waiting patiently. Though his curiosity was very strong, he learned rather quickly to temper his control, and he found it easier to focus at work. The next few days went by as much as most days did. Tom and Smith labored at the Smithy, Brand and Will labored at the bakery, and Z, well, Z did whatever it was she did. She did, however, show up at the bakery every night for dinner, and Thomas noted happily that she always sat next to him. It was difficult for the young Smith to put feelings to words when it came to the young woman. She was important to him, certainly, but in what sense? One night, after dinner was finished, and Brandon Will had gone to bed, Thomas asked Zee what she did all day while they were all working. I watch, and hunt, obviously. She swept a hand at the remnants of the dinner they just had. Rabbits feed us all quite well, but as you know, I brought fish occasionally. Someday, perhaps soon, I'll bring a deer. I haven't yet, as we wouldn't finish it, and I wouldn't want anything to go to waste. But with the way those two eat here, she gestured at the room where Brandon and Will now slept. We may be at that point very soon. She then looked into the distance thoughtfully. Perhaps I should take it here. I'm sure the smith could use some fresh venison. They busied themselves cleaning up after the meal. As Brandon and Will had had a hard, busy day, Tom had told them he would clean up after dinner tonight. Z helped him dutifully. She asked questions if she didn't know where something went, and Thomas answered her. They worked quite well together, and the room was finished before they knew it. This was the point in the evening that Z usually left to go back into the forest. This night, however, she seemed to hang about longer than usual. Tom put the last few dishes away and looked over to Z, wondering why she hadn't yet taken her leave. He looked at her, and before he knew what he was saying, the words had come out of his mouth. Would you like to stay with me tonight? Instantly, his face had reddened, and he looked down to his feet, as he had come to him, and lifted his face till their eyes met. Someday I shall. Perhaps even soon. But tonight? Her own face looked a bit pink after she had said this. But then, she had taken a deep breath, and continued her question. Tonight I'd like to show you where I sleep, if you'd like to see. Up until that point, Thomas had felt himself getting very tired. However... When Z had finished her question, he found himself renewed with energy. He supposed she lived in the forest, and an evening walk with Z sounded like a wonderful idea to him, and he answered quickly, I like that very much. She had taken him into the forest and led him for perhaps fifteen minutes. They had come to a spot where the forest floor dropped away drastically, to the distance of about twenty feet. Thomas could see that under all the brush and dead leaves there was actually a limestone cliff there, this cliff caused the drop-off, and Thomas supposed it looked magnificent from the other side. He had just decided to tell her this when the girl stooped down and grabbed a rope lying in the underbrush that Thomas hadn't seen till she had taken hold of it. Be careful, young Smith, she had told him, and she swiftly climbed down the rope and out of sight. Thomas took hold of the rope and began to go down the way Z had come, but as he began backing down the cliff, a thought occurred to him. Before he had started working at the smithy, he didn't think he could hold it himself on a rope. However, now his calloused hands were sure of the weight they supported. They clamped onto the rope the same way they clamped onto his tools at the smithy. He moved his hands in such a way as to lower himself in a very controlled fashion and felt his muscles controlling his descent. If he had found himself dangling in thin air, he felt sure he could have climbed back up the rope without difficulty. As it was, His feet never left the cliff face, and he sort of walked backward down the cliff. When he had reached the bottom, Z smiled at him, and his own smile returned hers. The girl's smile always seemed to do that to him, even when she was smiling at some small mishap that had befallen him. He had tried, of course, during those times, to keep a straight face, but once he saw her smile, he was literally unable to keep his face passive. She had shown him the cave she'd dwelt in, pointing out where she skinned the animals she brought for food, where she prepared her meals, and where she slept. Then she looked at him pointedly and seemed to be waiting for something. The cave was lit by a few nubs of candles she had obviously scrounged from different places around town. They were mismatched by other colors and even their materials. Some were made of perfumed wax that Thomas had never seen or smelled before and others were just regular beeswax. But all of them together provided a warm glow and seemed to emanate from everywhere at once. For Tom's part, he looked around the cave with wonderment all over his face. If he had ever dreamed of such a wonderful place to live, he couldn't remember it. Everything was perfect. See, my friend, you live in a wonderful place. I should think you would never leave this place if you didn't have to. It's absolutely smashing. At this proclamation, Z smiled broadly and cast a very direct look at Thomas. She strode over to him, took his face in her hands, and kissed his cheeks soundly. Then, rather quicker than she had come down, she made her way back up the rope. The young man's face flushed bright red after the kiss, and his stomach felt very strange indeed. So, after she had departed, he took one more look around the place and began to make his way back up the rope that had gained him admittance to her lair. Together, they had walked back to the bakery, not saying much, until Z broke on the silence. I've never taken another person to my home, she had said. Thomas didn't know how to respond to that, but after a few moments he said, I'll never tell anyone, Z. I promise. By this time, they had reached the rear door of the bakery, and Z beamed at Tom. Thank you, young smith, she had said, and then she kissed him once more on the cheek and was gone. Thomas found it very difficult to get to sleep that night. The next day, at the smithy, the big crafter had told Thomas there had been a response from his letter. Thomas whooped with excitement, but the smith merely said, I'll come to the bakery tonight to discuss it with all of you, but for now, and he pointed at the young man's workstation. At Thomas had learned in the last week, now was a time to control his curiosity, rather than give it free reign and he fought to focus and buckle down to his work. That night, as Tom and Smith closed up the shop, Smith seemed subdued, and Thomas couldn't help himself. He learned to read the Smith in their time working together, and he knew something was bothering Smith. The young man took a staggering mental leap and connected the Smith's mood to the letter he'd received today. Smith, does that letter contain bad news? He was understandably curious, and now a touch worried about the letter's contents, Smith looked at Tom directly, and then his face softened. Lad, we may be looking at a change that's all, and don't be fooled. Not all change is bad. Some of it is quite good. It's the unknown, the break from normal that bothers most folks. But you'll learn everything. I know tonight. Shall we pick up some food before we go? Thomas assured Smith that with Z hunting and the brothers fishing and baking, there would be no need for more food. And so they approached the bakery together and went in for dinner. After they had finished their dinner, Z had brought venison tonight, the smith filled and lit his pipe. After puffing for a few moments, he had waved out the bit of wood he'd used to light the pipe and breathed in very deeply. Well, I've received a response to that letter. There's much to be discussed, but I'll keep it simple enough for now. You've got two choices, young man. Uh, Three, to be honest, but I wouldn't suggest a third choice. One, you can abandon all use of magic from this day forward. Eventually, you should lose access to it altogether, and life will return to normal. After this, he studied the boy intently. Will made a face and thought for several long moments. He had stopped using magic in the week that he had waited for a response. It was not enjoyable for him, but he did admit it was much easier to control how he felt. Here, yeah, continued the smith, you can go to my friends. They have told me that they can instruct you. However, you must be warned. That's a lifetime of hard work. You will never be done learning. And because so few people have magic, that can be a lonely life. Will's face twitched again, but he nodded as though he understood, took a deep breath, and asked, What's the third choice? Smith continued, This choice isn't a good idea, Will, but I'll tell you because I want you to be informed and make the best choice. The third choice is to try and go it alone. Continue on like you've been doing and just keep fighting. That's not a wise choice. Most who try that route lose their control entirely and must be dealt with. I wouldn't recommend it. Will thought for a long time. Brand and Thomas tried to ask questions, but Smith held his hands up and said quietly, let him think this is his choice. After what seemed like an hour, Will said, in a shaking voice, I'd like to learn from someone, but where? Who? The burly man nodded. And told the rest of them. Well, that choice made. Now you all have choices. Will, the lady Kate of Angers Hall, as a practiced and accomplished maid, she's agreed to teach you everything she can. The young folks looked around at each other with wonderment on their faces. Will, Will said Thomas, but the Smith slashed his hand in the air and Thomas subsided. If Will is to go, I'll go too. They've some trouble over at the hall, and they've asked for my assistance. At this, he turned to Thomas. I'd like you to come with me too, Lord. But it may... Uh, it will be dangerous. You'll learn much, and it may be difficult at first, but... Then he shrugged his shoulders. Thomas now took his time thinking. He looked first at Bran, and then, after only a moment, he looked to Z. Their eyes met, and Tom could feel tears coming to his eyes. He swiped at them and turned back to the Smith. What about Z and Brand? Brand smoked immediately. Where Will goes, I go. And then Z answered quietly. My home is with my pet. She lightly touched Thomas's arm. The big Smith sighed heavily. He shook his head and then looked upon the young folk. I figured. Well, it's a long trip, and we best all get packed. Any weapons you have, bring. The road can be dangerous. We shall leave in two days. One of today's sponsors is J. Randall Art. That's two L's in Randall, by the way. If you go to J. Randall Art on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, I would really appreciate it if you gave him all the likes you can muster. He's a pretty great guy, and a fantastic artist. Make sure to tell him the tell guy sent you. M-E-A-C-H-S-M-I-N-I-S Meach's minis is where you will find some fantastic artwork done by an absolute genius. Not only can the man paint minis, he can also modify them for you. I mean, depending on what you want done. But don't take my word for it. Go on over to Etsy.com and type in that little search bar, Meech's Minis, M-E-A-C-H-S-M-I-N-I-S. You will not be sorry. Sir Matthew looked upon his wife, the Lady Claire, and as she came to him for an embrace, he whispered, I'm so blessed to have you as my lady wife." She replied, As am I to have you as my lord husband. Then they took a step back from their dwelling and took it all in. They had purchased the abode some time ago. Indeed, they were currently living in it. However, this was the day they chose to open their doors to the community for their home celebration. Neighbors, friends, and acquaintances flooded their home, offering congratulations, Well wishes, food, desserts, advice, and every manner of hugs and handshakes. The emotion they felt, with their lives meshing, and their home taking on the characteristics of their personalities, was joyous indeed. Sir Andrew walked up to the happy couple and bowed at the waist. I offer my congratulations to you both, however I've noticed a few areas where your house is going to need work sooner rather than later. He half turned and began to point at certain areas. I could probably help you with them, My lord husband, perhaps you could wait until the guests have gone before you start to expound on the repairs? Lady Katie put her hand on her husband's arm to interrupt him as politely as possible. She smiled up at him as he became silent. Lady Clare smiled as well, and as Sir Matthew slowly accepted all the aspects of his best friend's personality, Matthew spoke up. I do appreciate you both. Thank you so much for coming to our celebration. Lady Clare nodded her head in agreement, and the four of them took a long moment to behold the new dwelling. Is the storyteller coming? asked Sir Andrew. He said he'd be here. He'll be here. Answered Sir Matt. Fantastic! How wonderful! exclaimed the ladies. A few of the local children began a game of hide-and-seek. Lady Clare gave her husband and the others a patient smile as one of the children hid behind her skirts. The celebration continued with various and sundry folks offering whatever they thought was most memorable, stopping by every few moments. The gathering continued on in this fashion for the best part of two hours. Again, Sir Andrew asked after the storyteller, and Sir Matthew, with a worried cast to his eyes, continued to assure his friend that the storyteller would make an appearance. It was at that time they heard children shrieking. A few ran aimlessly hollering about something or other, but three or four young folk made their hurried way to Sir Matthew. The lord of the home knelt down and beckoned for the oldest to come close. Young man, I need you to focus, and calmly tell me what's happened, he said seriously. The boy closed his eyes and took several deep breaths, visibly becoming calmer with each breath. Sir Matthew was impressed by the boy's ability to divorce himself from his emotional state. Well, sir, we were playing at hide-and-seek around the city gates. He pointed to the gates, which were barely visible through the town and trees. It was my turn to seek the others, and I counted to fifty, then began to search. There were bushes on the outside of the gates, and I thought I saw movement inside them, so I went in to find those who were hiding from me. That's when I saw blood staining the clothing of the man in the bushes. I admit, I got scared and started screaming. At this, the boy blushed and looked at his feet. Sir Matthew compassionately put his hand on the boy's shoulder. It's all right, lad. That was a nasty shock. I'd be surprised if you didn't scream. Can you take me to the man? The child nodded and began to obey immediately. Sir Matthew followed and after a few steps looked over his shoulder and beckoned Sir Andrew. His friend answered his call wordlessly, loosening his blade in its sheath. Trouble was written all over Sir Matthew's face and Sir Andrew was no stranger to combat. They both felt the fear try to take their calm. At this, they vehemently bludgeoned the fear raking at their minds and replaced fear with a steady, grim control. Their body language changing so rapidly and completely that it alerted the Lady Claire, and she spoke quietly to Lady Kate. Do you see the change in those two? Come, we may be needed presently. Lady Kate made a mystical gesture and spoke softly under her breath as they began to close the distance with their respective husbands. A thrum of power washed over the ladies and Claire was happy for it. They had been in scrapes together before, long before, and the Lady Kate was a formidable caster. Claire felt bolstered by the fact that Kate had not allowed her skills to diminish. For her own part, Lady Claire was also used to magical spells, though her skills leaned almost exclusively toward healing. She also had kept up on her magical skill and was preparing to heal at a moment's notice. Ingers Hall had been built long ago and the gates of the city were constructed to withstand attacks. But in the intervening years, as the occasion for warfare waned, the city watch had taken to keeping the gates open, even at night. They had become relaxed to the point that only a single guardsman was standing watch at all times. The present guard nodded at them as they passed and Sir Matthew muttered at the man to stay sharp. The two men followed the child, unknowingly leading their wives, who followed at a safe distance, both of them gathering their energy about themselves and preparing words of power in their minds, just in case. Covered by the bushes, the two lords could only see glimpses, but from what they saw, the bleeding man was lying face down. Dressed in semi-finery, his clothes were pressed and clean, except where the blood had irrevocably stained them. However, as he was slumped in the bushes with his face toward the ground, The foursome, and their young guide, didn't recognize who the man was. Sir Matthew replaced his sword in its sheath and took his dagger in hand, then motioned for the child to stay back. Sir Andrew joined Matthew with his own naked dagger, and they prepared themselves for what the bloodied individual might have brought with him, be it violence or word of some of the same. They spoke with confidence and command, though quietly. If you can hear me, sir, we are coming in to offer assistance. But be advised, any trouble you're here to cause will be chastised vehemently, as well as instantly. Said Sir Andrew. I'll not tolerate any violence. Come out of the bushes, sir. Said Sir Matthew. There was only a groan for response. The bloodied individual seemed to stir fitfully, and his face, slowly, painfully, turned toward the two men. It was the storyteller. Sir Matthew curtly beckoned for Lady Clare, and she made her way quietly and quickly to the bushes. The Lady Kate also followed close behind with a faraway look in her eyes, and words of power spilled freely from her lips. The bushes surrounding the storyteller began to bend and press themselves farther to the ground, though there was no wind. They eventually parted to make admittance much easier. Sir Andrew took up a position on the outside of the gates, studiously watching the area outside. His steady eyes squinted against the sun. Matthew asked Claire quietly if she could help the storyteller. She strode through the bushes and said, Yes, love, provided you stop distracting me. A dull blue glow enveloped the author and his color immediately began to improve. So much so that he was able to open his eyes and stammer, Lady Claire, Lady Kate, what? And then he was told to be silent so as to conserve his strength. They extracted the author from the bushes without trouble thanks to Kate's spell holding the bushes clear for them. Andrew at the gates called for Matthew. A few moments later as they met, Andrew mused that there was nothing to see from without the town's opening. Matthew peered determinedly out of the plain and came to the same conclusion. Matthew called for their young guide. Upon his appearance, he gravely directed that the Lord of Ingers Hall should be alerted. Also that litter needed to be brought from the healers. The boy departed immediately, repeating to himself what Matthew had told him. Claire and Kate were tending to their friends' wounds, discussing different healing strategies quietly. In only a few minutes the healers arrived with a litter. The storyteller fussed about not needing litter after the Lady Claire's ministrations, but upon her insistence he relented to the healers and was carried away, speaking with the four as they followed. My friends, he began, I am grateful for your intervention on my behalf. However, I have grave news for you. I wasn't left alive as a mistake. As the attack began, they told me I was to deliver a message. They are coming for Ingers Hall. I know not their names, ranks, or titles, but I do know they mean to arrive by force at those gates. In three weeks' time, you are instructed to clear out or prepare to be attacked." Sir Matthew bowed his head at this news, then looked to Sir Andrew. We must alert my father at once. Turning to Lady Clare, he asked, You'll see our friend to the healers? Of course, my love. We will be along presently. She then kissed him and added, No fear. Ingersoll has withstood attack from its conception. We will rebuff these knaves and deliver swift chastisement for the brutality visited upon our master of tales. Her face stretched into a fighting grin, and Sir Matthew found himself answering her grimace with his own. Indeed, my lady wife. Sir Andrew had beckoned to Lady Kate and spoke quietly with her. What is this world coming to? His voice gained volume as his outrage could not be contained. A peaceful man, a storyteller, being attacked for a simple message. We will find those responsible, and the price for this foolishness will be high indeed. Kate clenched her fist. I'll defend as you attack we shall defend our home and those within it. We shall also deliver retribution for this heinous act." The two embraced, Andrew placing a quick kiss upon his wife's forehead. Then they parted ways for a time, the lords leading toward the hall proper and the ladies accompanying the storyteller to the healers. When Matthew and Andrew reached the seat of power in Ingers Hall, they were met by a messenger. He greeted Sir Matthew and then departed. Sir Matthew looked over the missive And as his eyebrows rose, he said to Andrew, It seems our old friend Smith is in need of our assistance. He's got a magic user experiencing negative magical issues. Perhaps the time is right to ask him back. It seems we shall have a fight on our hands and... Sir Andrew finished his sentence. That man is an effective fighter, and our enemies will feel his wrath. it will be good to see him again. There it is, my friends, the season finale. Join us again in a month and we'll pick the story right back up. Thank you again for listening. Don't forget to stop and click that follow button and share the story with your friends. I'd appreciate it. Hey, they will too. (laughs) We'll see you in a month.